Gospel reading for this morning is taken from John's Gospel, beginning in the 21st chapter at the first verse, and John wrote these things. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? We are invited to come into your presence, O God, just as we are. We are invited to come not as we hope to be, We are invited to come not when we have forgiven others for their offenses toward us. We are invited to come 
not after we have dressed up in our best clothes or selves. We are invited to come not after we have uprooted the weeds of justice, violence, and wickedness, not after we have cleared our heads of nagging doubts and suspicions. We are invited to come into your presence as we are, hanging on to bitterness, in our self-righteousness with our doubts and fears, and to lay all such things at your feet. This we do, here and now, confident that you will know what to do with them. Open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. One rule of fishing is that you have to be smarter than the fish, or at least smarter than the game warden. <laughs> a young man in Tennessee was fishing on a lake, and he was stopped by a fish and game warden as he was leaving the lake with two large buckets full of fish. And the game warden said, uh, do you have a license to catch those fish? Nope, the young man replied. These are my pet fish. <laughs> pet fish, the warden asked. What do you mean, pet fish? Well, the young man said, every night I take these fish down to the lake and let them swim around for a while. And then I whistle and they jump right back into my ice chest and I take them home. <laughs> That's a bunch of hooey, said the warden. Fish can't do that. Well, the young man looked at the game warden for a minute and then he said, well, here, I'll show you. It really works. I've got to see this, said the warden. So the young man poured the fish into the lake and stood and waited. After several minutes, the warden said, well, well, what, said the young man. The warden said, when are you going to whistle and call him back? Call who back, said the young man with a grin on his face. The fish, replied the warden. What fish, said the young man. Fishermen are famous for their creativity. Someone has said that the only question about the truthfulness of Jesus' disciples is that at least four of them were fishermen. The lesson for today happens after the resurrection. It's yet another example of how the disciples struggled with the news that Jesus had risen from the dead. Rather than being out and about on the highways and byways of Judea telling the good news that the Lord had risen, the disciples, you see, went back home, back to the fishing boats as if the time that they had spent with Jesus never even happened. It still was not real for them. They were lost. Even the fishing was bad. This was hard. It was particularly hard for one of the disciples. Because you see, he was a passionate and impetuous believer. He was often blurting things out without first thinking them through. 
At times, he would take some hasty action or say something that he had regretted later. He had actually walked on water once until he had taken his eyes off Jesus, and then he began to sink. And his denial of the Lord had put cement shoes on his feet now, and they weighed heavy on his heart. He had said that he would never deny him, even if all the others did. Yet he did deny him. Three times. He probably thought at this point that that disqualified him from ever doing the Lord's work again. And near the beginning of this chapter, he simply tells the other disciples, I am going fishing. He decides to return to his old life. The one he had before all of this Jesus stuff ever even happened. It was all just too blasted hard. There's a man trying to cross a busy street, and as he steps off the curb, a car comes screaming around the corner and heads straight for him. And the man walks faster, trying to hurry across the street, but the car changes lanes and still is coming directly at him. So the man turns around to go back, but the car changes lanes again and still coming straight for him. And the man is so scared that he just freezes and stops right in the middle of the road, and the car then swerves at the last possible moment and screeches to a halt right next to him. And the driver rolls down the window, and the driver is a squirrel. And the squirrel says, See, it's not as easy as it looks. It's not as easy as it looks when you carry around that which you punish yourself for. Things that you know you've done wrong. And sometimes those things seem just impossible to overcome. Sometimes we just need to reboot. So they had fished all night and they caught nothing. And early the next morning, however, while they were still in the boat, a man stood on the shore and called out to them, Friends! Have you caught any fish? And the implication of this question is that if they had caught something, the stranger was interested in it as food. No, they answered. Well, then throw your nets out on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now, every fisherman will tell you that location is important in fishing. Today's professional fishermen now use sophisticated fish finders that locate schools of fish swimming far beneath the surface of the water. But the disciples had no such help. Still, what possible difference would it make if they didn't move their boat, but only threw their nets on the other side? Maybe if the stranger had pointed to a nearby cove or told them to work their way down the shore for a few hundred yards, but the other side of the boat? Still, they did as he said, and when they did, the net was so full that they could hardly bring it in. 
You know, I don't really think that Jesus telling them to fish on the other side of the boat had anything to do with the location of fish. It had a whole lot more to do with who Jesus is. John recognized Jesus in all of this, and Peter jumped into the water and swam for shore. And the other disciples, they followed in the boat, towing that net full of fish. And when they reached the shore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and some bread. Now you need to know, there are only two times, two times in Scripture that mention a charcoal fire. One is in the passage that we read today in the other well. The other is a charcoal fire in a courtyard. Where Peter had been confronted and denied knowing and being a disciple of Jesus. And then bread and fish. Well, hopefully you remember those stories. After they had finished eating, Jesus turns to Peter and three times asks him if he loves him. Three times Peter states that he does, one for each denial. And he's returned to his position of discipleship. Not that Jesus required it, but it's what Peter needed to experience to move forward. It helped that starting again, the reboot of Peter... And this was accomplished so that Peter would give up everything else and return to following Jesus. And Jesus is telling Peter to take care of the sheep, the early church. And the number one priority and purpose of the church is to feed the sheep. Hear this this morning, folks. Feed the sheep. Feed the sheep. It may sound basic, it may even sound somewhat unexciting, even boring, if you will. But that is the primary task of the church. Feed the sheep. Mark Allen Powell, in his book, Loving Jesus, tells of being at an outdoor rock festival. And he met a young man there with pink hair and multiple piercings. And the young man was waving his hands above his head and singing of his love for Jesus. And Paul talked to this young man. I just love Jesus so much, the young man said. Jesus is my life, man, my whole life. And Paul asked him what church he was from. And the young man looked puzzled and answered, No, no, man, I really don't do church. You know, it's Jesus. That's what it's all about, just Jesus. Then Paul goes on to quote a professor who says that the number one reason church is unattractive to people in their teens and 20s is, and you might guess this, it's boring. In today's entertainment-based culture, being boring, you know, is a serious offense. Powell tells about encountering another so-called Jesus freak in Austin, Texas. And Paul says he envied the young man. He was just living the joy of the Lord, reading his Bible every day, praying to Jesus, speaking in tongues, and playing Christian rock on his stereo. And when Paul asked this young man about church, the young man didn't write it off, but he did say that he hadn't been able to find a congregation where he felt like he fit in. You see, the church where I am a member, the young man said, it's like something out of an old black and white TV show. You know, Ozzie and Harriet, or Leave it to Beaver. 
Everybody dresses up in suits and they play this music that doesn't sound like anything on the radio and the preacher talks about things that have nothing to do with my life and I don't know, it's just boring. So he said he didn't go. And Paul asked him about finding a different church, but the young man said he didn't know about denominations and he didn't really want to get into all the different doctrines and stuff. So he just didn't go anywhere. Maybe when I'm older, I'll get more out of it, he said. Or maybe the church will, you know, lighten up or something. And Paul asked him, well, do you love Jesus? Oh, yes, I do, the young man said. I love him with all my heart. Oh, would you die for him, Paul asked. Well, yes, I would. You would die for him, Paul concluded, but you won't be bored for him? Paul went on to say, this is what I think the Lord wants you to do. I think Jesus wants you to get out of bed every Sunday morning and go to the Ozzie and Harriet church and just sit there for one hour, being bored. Do it for him. Call it bearing your cross, if you like. Just do it. You know, folks, worship, Bible study, all the little things that we do in church, sometimes they're not all that exciting, though we do try. But they are all essentials to feeding Christ's sheep. This is important work. But we also need to reach people for Christ who've never even thought about him. Did you know that in 1271 AD, Niccolo and Matteo Polo, the father and uncle of Marco Polo, visited the Kublai Khan, who was at that time the ruler of China, India, and all of the Eastern world. This is an amazing story. The Kublai Khan, the leader of the Eastern world, was attracted to Christianity. He said to the Polo brothers, you go to your high priest and tell him on my behalf to send me a hundred men skilled in your religion, and I shall be baptized. And when I am baptized, all of my barons and great men will be baptized, and their subjects will receive baptism too. So there will be more Christians here than there are in your parts. Amazing. This is where most of the people, world's people live today. China, India, the Orient, the Kublai Khan was offering to help spread Christianity to it all. However... For 30 years, nothing was done in response to the Kublai Khan's request. Not one thing. And then only a handful of missionaries were sent. It was too few, too late. Just think how different the world might be today if only the West had responded. Feed my sheep. That means take care of the church. But it also means going outside of the flock to find sheep wherever they might be. You know I love to fish, so I can't help one more fish story. It's the final one, I promise. Little boy came to Sunday school late. And his teacher knew that he was usually very prompt, and she asked him if anything was wrong, and the boy replied, well, no, nothing was wrong, that he was going fishing, but his dad told him that he needed to go to church. Well, the teacher was very impressed and asked the boy if his dad had explained to him 
why it was more important to go to church than to go fishing. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did, said the boy. He said that he didn't have enough bait for both of us. Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Worship is important for grown-ups and children. Sunday school is important. Telling others about our church, inviting them to come to church with us, that is important. And you know, when we do these seemingly small, insignificant things in Christ's name and at his command... The world will one day be changed. Do you need to reboot this day? Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Amen.